Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. I sure would like to get out of wherever I am. I sure would like to get out of wherever I am. Maybe you heard the story about the homeless man who was sleeping in a dumpster. And he was suddenly awakened with a jolt. He'd been scooped up along with the trash by a huge city of Indianapolis garbage truck. And he was, he was actually knocked unconscious for a period of time. Um, but he came to inside of the garbage truck. And he was upside down. He was squeezed into an area where a human being just, just shouldn't or couldn't fit. Uh, and the truck went on and picked up two more big dumpsters full of trash. And when the driver stopped for the third load... He heard some hollering. He got out, he, he, he looked around. Um, the voice sounded far away. Couldn't see anybody. So he started the compactor on the garbage truck. That's when he heard some frantic banging from inside the truck itself. And thinking something mechanical was wrong, he stopped the compactor and it was then that he heard from inside his garbage truck say, I sure would like to get out of wherever I am. Fortunately, and much to the homeless man's uh, relief, the garbage truck driver saw to it that he did. I sure would like to get out of wherever I am. Huh. You ever feel like that man caught up in that trash compactor? Do you ever feel as if life's responsibilities, its concerns, its demands are about to exhaust your physical and emotional resources completely? Stress can be like getting compacted in a garbage truck. Now, there is such a thing as good or healthy stress. You may not believe that, but we, we always associate stress with something bad. But there is good stress. In fact, there's a name for it, eustress. You ever heard that? Eustress. Yeah. Starting a new job. Getting in a demanding physical workout. Taking a trip to a new destination. Those can also be examples of a kind of stress, but... It's actually a good stress, a healthy kind of a stress. But today I want you to focus with me not on good stress, but bad stress. Uh, these are the kind of, of negative experiences and emotions that end up breaking us down physically, causing health problems. And, and bad stress leaves you feeling constantly frustrated, depleted. Bad stress robs your life of any sense of, of joy or enthusiasm. Bad stress is like being locked up inside an emotional compactor. And it results in, in a kind of pressure that pushes you toward a breaking point. 
You feel like you're getting crushed or squashed by what's going on in your life. So I want you to think with me about stress today because we're in the midst of a series of messages on knowing God and His will for our lives. We're calling it Knowing God. Is it like GPS or a compass? Quick answer to that question is a compass. As much as we would like God to give us these explicit instructions on how to live every day of our lives, turn right here, turn left there, recalculating your destination, you'll arrive at your destination in X number of minutes. God prefers instead to point us in a general direction that requires us to keep on trusting and obeying Him as we take this journey through life. What does God's will have to do with stress and vice versa? Well, the level of bad stress in your life and mine can be measured by the level of obedience to God's will. The more you discover, the more you obey God's will for you, the less bad stress you're going to have. The less you obey God's will, the more bad stress you will experience. Therefore, knowing and doing God's will is, is really the best remedy for bad stress. That sense that our lives are being compacted and crushed and squashed. And there's a scripture that I believe speaks to this issue. It's found in the New Testament book of James. And I want you to turn with me there um, in whatever form of Bible you have, whether it's the book or you can borrow a, a blue one there in a pew rack ahead of you. You can look it up on your phone. I always encourage people to, to put their eyes on God's Word and, and, uh, and read it as I read it um, on Sunday morning. So uh, James chapter 4. And we're going to be looking to today at verses 13 through 17. James 4, beginning at verse 13. Here's what God's Word says for us today. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So that passage, I believe, reveals three approaches regarding God's will. And two of the three approaches increase bad stress, and one of them actually reduces it. So let's think about the first one. Bad stress is a result of disobeying God's will. Bad stress is a result of disobeying God's will. Even, you know, even followers of Jesus can willingly and knowingly disobey God's will in some aspect of our lives. I know that may come as a surprise to you, but it's true. And yes, folks, that's a sin, though it might take us a while to admit it's a sin. You see, disobeying God will often happen when we assume that God gives us suggestions rather than commands. 
on how to live and conduct our lives. Well, like what? Well, here's just a few examples. We could come up with many, but here's just a few. You may, you may have convinced yourself that telling those little white lies are acceptable as long as you avoid the big black lies. But you see, God can never bless a lack of integrity. Honesty is a command. It's not a suggestion. And dishonesty creates bad stress in our lives. Or secondly, you may have, you, you may have convinced yourself that sex outside of the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman is acceptable under, you know, certain conditions and certain situations. It's okay. But God says that sex is his beautiful creation and he's created these boundaries that apply in all cases. And they are his commands, not his suggestions. Sexual immorality creates bad stress. Here's, a, here's another example. You, you may have convinced yourself that looking down on certain kinds of people, you know, members of a different race or ethnicity than you, or maybe a, people from a different socioeconomic group than you, or, or people from a different political persuasion than you, oh boy. You know, it's, it's okay to despise them and look down on them. That can be tolerated. No big deal. But God's word says that we must treat every human being in ways that honors his image in them and respects the fact that Jesus died and rose again on their behalf. So how we should treat people is a matter of God's commands. They aren't suggestions. And prejudice and bigotry is something else that creates bad stress. So how did James put it in his letter? Well, they were right there in verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. God has already revealed his will about many things, not everything, but many things. And what God says are commands. They're not suggestions. And when we know those commands and then we deliberately disregard them, we're setting ourselves up with a date with the stress compactor. So why do we disobey God's will? Well, one answer is pride. When we make up our mind to dodge God's will, we're basically saying that we know better than God and we should be able to do what we want to do regardless of what God wants. Why do we disobey God's will? Another answer is that we all have this sinful nature that just loves to defy God and his will. And unfortunately, that, that inner bent, it doesn't just disappear when you become Jesus' follower, does it? No. That's why the Bible encourages Jesus' followers with these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. He's talking to Christians, folks, not non-Christians. And then he says, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the what? Whoever does the will of God lives forever. The will of God. 
what, what happens when you deliberately reject the known will of God? Well, folks, God will discipline you until you submit to his will. It's just like a good parent who disciplines a di disobedient child out of love and concern for the kid's welfare. And the Bible uses that analogy, that, that example frequently. Here's just one place. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Maybe, maybe bad stress is kind of like getting a spanking. Ever thought about that? And just like a faithful and, and a loving mom or dad or heavenly father has the ability to allow enough pain to come into our lives, maybe in the form of bad stress, to get our attention and encourage us to obey him and his will again. Do you know what else will happen when we disregard the known will of God? Now, this may be interesting. This may be new to you. I believe we will forfeit eternal rewards if we do that. Now walk with me through this. The Bible makes it clear that God's people will receive rewards in heaven. In one place it says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in our earthly body. Now, I don't have a clue what these heavenly rewards will be, but I know that I want to have them, okay? I want all of them I can get. And I don't believe that any of us want to forfeit any of those eternal rewards. Now, folks, don't misunderstand here. Salvation and eternal life with God is the free gift of God's grace. It's a matter of placing your faith in Jesus, who he is, what he did for you on the cross and the empty tomb. But that doesn't mean that the experience of heaven itself is going to be exactly the same for every follower of Jesus. I think the verse is implying that some will have more rewards in heaven than others. Well, on what basis? The more you obeyed God and his will for you in this life, the more rewards, whatever they will be, you will enjoy in heaven. Isn't it reasonable to assume then that the more we disregard God and reject God and his will in, in our lives, the more likely it will be that we will forfeit some of those eternal rewards. Again, not eternal life, not salvation, not being with God forever, but instead something incredibly wonderful that we could have received had we been diligent to do God's will. Huh. I believe that's, that's an inescapable conclusion. A second approach toward God's will is revealed in our scripture passage. Bad stress is also the result of ignoring God's will, ignoring it. Well, what's the difference between disobeying God's will and ignoring God's will? Well, when we clearly know what God wants us to do in a given situation and we just flat out refuse to do it, that's disobeying God's will. But ignoring God's will assumes that his will just doesn't even exist. 
It doesn't really even matter. It's a willingness just to stay blissfully ignorant of whatever a God might want us to do regarding a specific situation, decision, relationship that we find ourselves involved in. And if, if this still seems a little bit vague to us, let, let's look at an example that James himself provided in the scripture that we read today. He imagined a real life situation that could easily happen today. He says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. And, um, you know, James is just imagining here some men who were making business plans. And it was as if they were saying to each other, okay, now, Henry, I want you to, we, we want you to go to this new suburb in Rome tomorrow and open a regional office for us. And, uh, Bill, we, we, you, we, we've heard about this new area around Corinth, and we want you to go over there and set up shops so we can have an outlet for our new product line. And, and both of you guys, you know, you should be showing a healthy profit in about a year. Uh, from now and after that, we'll get back together again and target some new locations. That's what James is imagining. And James apparently imagined that these were followers of Jesus. They weren't terrible men or anything. But there was something about the way that they approached their plans and their lives that bothered James. What was the big deal? What was the problem? I mean, was, was, was James anti-planning? No, we should never make any plans? No, I don't think that's the point at all. He was objecting, however, to an attitude, an outlook, a perspective that we human beings have more control over our lives than we really do. And it's the assumption that we can shape our own future with little or no reference to God and his will. And essentially, you see, these men in James' example were kind of putting God on the back burner of their lives. They were presuming when they should have been praying. You ever done that? Have you presumed and forgotten to pray? They were oblivious to the need to ask God's guidance for everything in life, even their business plans. And, and whenever you and I get, get busy making all these plans before we even ask for God's direction, we're essentially ignoring him and his will. And whenever we assume that God doesn't want to provide his input and his guidance into some decision, we're choosing to be ignorant of his will. We're ignoring him. Well, so James goes on and he alludes to at least three reasons why it's, it's so foolish to ignore God's will or choose to, to be ignorant of God's will. First, folks, because life is uncertain. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Asked James rhetorically. Boy, that's easy to forget, isn't it? In another place, the Bible says, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. It's true. No, life is never uncertain for God, but it is most certainly uncertain for you and me. Now, when we want God's will above everything else, when we desire to walk in his will at all times, and when we're eager to ask God to reveal his will as we approach tomorrow with confidence, 
But you see, it's confidence in God. It's not confidence in us. It's not confidence in tomorrow. It's confidence in God, not in our plans. It's confidence in God who alone knows what tomorrow is going to bring into our lives. Second, James reminded us that it's foolish to ignore God's will because life is short. It's uncertain and it's short. Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. And on occasion, you know, even around here, we start out a morning with a bit of fog. But it actually, it usually burns off before noon. And James was saying that when, when you compare the length of your life and mine to the endless expanse of eternity, this life is incredibly short. Even if you live to 95, 100 years of age, it's no, it's no comparison to eternity. It's like a morning mist which is gone by noon. You know, in another place, the Bible says this, how frail is humanity, how short is life, how full of trouble. We blossom like a flower and then wither. Like a passing shadow, we, we quickly disappear. Yeah, life is short. And because life is so brief, all the more reason then for you and me to seek out and find out what God would have us to do and to get about doing it. Third, James suggested it's foolish to ignore God's will because we're so limited as human beings. I mean, you and I, folks, at the end of the day, we control so little in life. We, we have a, only a limited understanding of anything and everything. And we have neither the ability to see the future nor the power to control the future. And whenever we assume that we control more about our lives than we really do, we invite that bad stress into our lives. When we refuse to invite God into our daily plans and our daily schedule and our daily decisions, the more we invite bad stress into our lives. And if God is only relevant on Sunday mornings when we gather here for worship and he's irrelevant every other day of the week, bad stress is your destiny, friend just is. I agree with a statement by Patrick Morley. He said, nothing wastes more time for the Christian than pursuing his own independent will. I might add, nothing brings more bad stress into our lives either when we live that way. When you ignore God and his will, you're going to make choices that ultimately defeat you. You'll load up your life with tasks and responsibilities often prompted by your own insecurity or greed or pride, rather than doing those things which are prompted by obedience to God's will. You'll fall victim to an overly demanding schedule and pressure from other people. You'll, you'll, you'll eventually burn out. You will. And you can, you can never live close to the Lord and be ruled by bad stress. Well, you can get it, but, but you find a way to get rid of it. But if, if you don't live close to the Lord, that's what's going to happen. Instead, bad stress, you see, is the evidence that you're not living close enough to the Lord. I like this observation. God does not promise strength for uncommanded work. Just because you're working, does that mean God is in it? Well, not if the Lord didn't command it. And so if you feel like you're uh, stuck in the emotional compactor of bad stress, I suggest that you spend some time alone with God and genuinely seek his will for your life. 
Now, fortunately, James did highlight the kind of approach that relieves bad stress. He, he gives us another model here. Bad stress is relieved by seeking out and obeying God's will. Pretty simple. But sometimes we need to hear the simple again. And James gave an example of, of what that looks like right there in verse 15. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wants us to, if the Lord wills. Now, yes, that can sound like a cliche. And I've heard Christians kind of use that like a cliche. But it doesn't have to be. It can and ought to be an authentic approach uh, to, in your life and in mine. It can and ought to be the verbal expression of a sincere heart attitude. This is moment by moment dependence on God right in the midst of everyday life. And, and if I had to kind of verbalize this approach to life, it might sound something like this. Lord, life is uncertain. Life is short. I am very limited. But because I am your child, I'm not going to be terrified of life. I know I must trust you all the more. You have given me the ability to make plans, so I will. I'll make plans. But you want me to seek your will first, discover your plan for my life, and never leave you out. I want to invest my time and my energy into those things that you want me to do and get about doing them. You know, the great Christian leader Paul gave us a snapshot of what daily submission to God uh, might look like. He gave it to us in the New Testament. When he was writing to the followers of Jesus in the city of Corinth, Paul said on one occasion, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. Hmm. And again, the same letter he wrote, this time, I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. He was making his plans. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. And, and what I'm trying to suggest to you is that, that Paul's words underlined a fundamental approach to life. Yes, I'm going to go and make plans, but Jesus is the Lord of my plans, and he can change those plans anytime he wants because I serve him. And the fact is, folks, that the Lord loves you and he wants to guide your decisions and choices so that you will accomplish his will as you move through life. He will not lead you into any decision, any relationship, any job, any opportunity that creates bad stress. Yes, God will stretch you. He'll challenge you sometimes. I'm talking about good stress, you, you stress, but that's something very different than the bad stress that so many of us experience. When we surrender our will to him and sincerely ask him to guide our minds, he will help us to understand who we are, what we should be doing, and where we should be doing it. And God promises to reveal his will to those who sincerely seek it and will follow through by actually doing his will. You know, folks, I, I can say with confidence that I've never known a person to break down or to burn out from bad stress by doing God's will. They just don't go together. 
Now, I've known some who thought they were doing God's will, but found out the hard way that they were not. And by the same token, I've encountered followers of Jesus living in the center of God's will and marveling at how they accomplish and, and get it all done. Boy, I think about Paul. I mean, talk about, talk about a schedule that would probably break any of us. That didn't bother Paul because he was moving in, in the, the, the will of God for his life. So you can be busy, but not necessarily stressed out. See, folks, that's something that, that, we, that we need to take away from what we're talking about, is that how busy you are in life is never the true test of how much bad stress you endure. On the one hand, you can be, uh, you can be lazy and be filled with bad stress. On the other hand, you can be ever so, uh, so busy with a very full schedule and not be stressed out at all. The issue is never about how much uh, you're doing or how busy you are. The real issue is whether you're seeking out and discovering and then obeying, actually doing God's will. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, I will do this or that. That's, man, that's the right way to live. That's the right perspective. And when we live like that, we're going to escape the bad stress compactor and enjoy God's peace and grace fully each and every day. I want to tell you a story about a man by the name of Robert McFarlane. He was a leading businessman in um, the Los Angeles area some years ago. But he tells, a, he tells a story about he, how he moved from Oklahoma to California. And shortly after he arrived in California, he was forced to take over a, a, an insurance agency. He didn't want to take over the life insurance agency. But because of a disastrous misunderstanding with a close friend... He had invested a significant amount of his own money into this insurance agency, and he was the only one to keep it up and running. And if, if he let it go down the tubes, he would have lost his investment entirely. And so he took on this insurance agency. And for the next three years, it was just one enormous example of bad stress. It was just terrible. Just, just one sort of disaster after another. And uh, toward the end of that three-year period, uh, Robert McFarlane uh, decided to become a follower of Jesus, largely because of the prayers of his wife and her many Christian friends. Well, as he tells the story, one, one day... He was driving to his uh, insurance office to start another day. And his stress level was so high that he, he really thought about just turning left at the next road. And he knew that that road would take him out of town. And he just, it was everything not to turn that wheel to the left and just disappear forever. It had it. And um, it's probably almost like a, like a panic attack, basically. And um, he just thought about all of the, 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 the pressures that he had. He, just, he was always on the verge of financial defeat. And it was just one 
one crisis after the other, and he could just never seem to, to get on top of things. And, and as he was wrestling with that decision whether to turn that wheel or not, he heard a command as clearly in his head as if someone had spoken it out loud. Pull the car to the curb. He said if, he said if um, it couldn't have been more plain if, if it hadn't been printed on his, um, on his windshield. Pull the car to the curb. So he, he pulled it off. And um, then again, so forcefully it came into his mind and his spirit as if somebody was actually sitting there in the car speaking into it. And this is what that voice said. My son had strains that you will never experience. And when he did, he turned to me. And that is what you need to do now. And it was a direct leading of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit speaking into the spirit and the mind of Robert McFarland. And he says that, that when that happened, he just, he just kind of put his head on, on the wheel of, of the car and he just began to sob and to weep. And he just surrendered all of that stress to God. And, and surrendered it all of to, to him and, and asked for his will and his purpose. And when he got through that, you know, he drove the rest of the way to the office. And here's the thing. He said that he had, on that just on that one day, he had 22 crises looking at him. Um, disputes with the parent insurance company, clients who were late on their payments, clients... Not sure whether they were going to stay with the insurance agency or not. And all 22 issues got resolved in that first day. I sure would like to get out from wherever I am. <laughs> Have you been there? And I wonder perhaps if you're there today. Um... God wants to reveal his will to us. God wants us to do his will. Don't, don't think that God gives suggestions when he gives commands. Don't, don't ignore him and think that, that his will is somehow irrelevant to you. Instead, seek his will. And when you see that will, then get about doing it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today that you do have a will and a purpose for each of our lives. And Lord, we thank you that, that we don't have to live with bad stress. Yes, we're going to have challenging times in our lives, and sometimes you allow that because you want us to stretch and grow. But Lord, you don't want us to, to have to experience this this constant battle with bad stress that just compacts us and threatens to crush us and to wipe us out. No, Lord, you, you want us to discover a different kind of living. And so, Father, we pray that, that each of us can move into that uh, as we continue to live out our lives before you. Father, I pray for anybody here, all of us that is just feeling overwhelmed by the amount of stress they're carrying in their lives right now, 
And Lord, we're not here to judge anybody. We've all had times when bad stress has has just overwhelmed our lives for one reason or another. But Lord, we pray that, that today's message will be an encouragement to them, that this is something that you want to relieve them of if they'll make a fresh and a new surrender to your will and to your ways. And so we pray for that. We ask for that this morning. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.